welcome in to the PHNX Suns VIP Lounge brought to you by our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star review. I'm Lindsay Smith with Espo, and the Phoenix Suns defeat the Philadelphia 76ers 114-104. to That's win number 61 for the Phoenix Suns and eight straight wins in a row. Their fourth winning streak of at least eight games this season alone. And only 11 or 11 times it's happened this year. The Suns have done it four. Uh, that's that's insane when only it's happened only 11 times in the NBA. Suns own it four times, but <clears throat> let's get this ready. The Phoenix Suns are the best team in the NBA. Suck it, Harden. Suck it, Embiid. Suck it, Philly. That's oh, right, the Phoenix Foster. Suns. Yeah, him too. The Phoenix <laughs> Suns remain, no surprise here, of course, the best team in the NBA. And you know what? Before we get into all of the things, let's just go straight to the bar and start this off the right way. Aspo, what are we drinking tonight? Let's go to the bar. We're having an all-business. And look, the Suns came out. They played their game. They got the deal done even when they didn't need it. That's what this team's all about. And it, it is a very much next man up mentality, which is so cliche in sports. But JaVale McGee out today with a non-COVID in, illness. Bismack Biombo came out and uh, played spectacularly. I mean, not a huge game statistically, but he came in, did the little things. And that's what this team's all about is just taking care of the little things. So that is our drink of the night. They just took care of business and took care of Philly one of the best teams in the East, as if it was eh, no big deal on a Sunday afternoon. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of taking care of business, I really liked how the Suns finished this game out, right? Like they had a really big lead. They kind of got a little bit too lax there for a minute. They had an 11-point lead at one point in time late in this game. The Philadelphia 76ers gave them a little bit of a run for their money, were able to get back into this one and close up that gap. But the Suns turned around and said, you know what? We're going to continue to play our game. We're going to play this game the right way. We're going to close it out the way that we've been closing games out all season long. And they came up clutch in crunch time minutes. I want to give a shout out to Chris Paul because it's only his second game back with the Suns. It's so it's weird because it's like it's his second game back. But I've already feel like Chris Paul has been back for a long time because Typically, you got to give guys a few games to kind of get their legs underneath them. I understand his injury was on his wrist, so it wasn't really like a lower body injury. He could maintain that um, his physical abilities and everything, but still, like his ability to come back game one have a big impact. Game two, he finished tonight with 19 points and 14 assists, and he was really big in those crunch time minutes. It doesn't feel like Chris Paul has any lingering effects from that injury, which is not surprising, but also a little surprising considering he was able to come back earlier than expected. It's it's impressive. I mean, he is a machine. He comes back first game, double-double. Second mm -hmm. game, double-double. Oh, and when the, the 76ers cut that lead, he took it into his own hands. And then not only did he do that, he looked straight in Doc Rivers' eyes and took his uh, his soul right out twice in that uh, in that run too. It was like, nah, nice nice try, boys, but uh, go back to Philly. We're not too worried about you here in Phoenix. Uh, it was, I found that hilarious, quite frankly. I mean, he just kept <laughs> looking straight at Doc Rivers as he did those things throughout that uh, that tail end of the fourth quarter. And this is Suns basketball. I mean, it. It comes down to the clutch, and you know one of two guys, Devin Booker or Chris Paul, are going to take the game uh, and win, and that's just what they did. They took it over, uh, and they won. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chris Paul finally beat Scott Foster. I believe yes. coming into this game, he had never – If I correct me if I'm wrong, Espo, but I think I saw – he had never won a game that Scott Foster was officiating. And this yeah, is the he, first time he finally got a W. Yeah, I think the Suns beat uh, won a game where Scott Foster officiated while Chris Paul was out. But I don't believe Chris Paul had to head had look, they you can bring on the refs, <laughs> you can play five on eight, 
It does not matter. We've seen some of the worst officiating over the last two weeks. We've seen guys that supposedly have it in for Chris Paul on, on the refing staff today. Does not matter. You're facing the be- one of the best teams in the East. Does not matter. The Phoenix Suns are a machine right now, and it is so much fun. And you got to remember, again, like we talked about in pregame, for all intents and purposes, this meant this game meant nothing for the Phoenix Suns, right? Right, exactly. Nothing. And it means a lot for Philly because the top four in the East are all still jockeying for position. Nothing's guaranteed in the East right now. And the Suns still came out and Jack stomped them in the second half. I love this team. I love what they're doing. Uh, and look, yeah, could they have cleaned up a little bit uh, def- of things defensively in that first half of the game? Sure. But you know what they did in the second half? They cleaned up things defensively and they took care of business. Right, exactly. And that's one thing that we've been talking a lot um, about this team all season long is that they can they can afford to go into the second half in a deficit, right? They can be down in the second half and still figure out how to make those changes, make them well, and win a game against some of the top teams in the league. That's a skill set that this team has mastered. And whether or not we like it, because sometimes it gives us a little bit of anxiety, (laughs) I think we can all find a little bit of comfort in the fact that, like, the record proves that they're pretty good at it. You know what I mean? Like they're going to figure it out. They're going to put their head down. They're going to go to work and they're going to end up with a W majority of the time. And that's something that we are not used to in these parts, but you love to see it. Look, when the Phoenix Suns go into a fourth quarter with the lead, the first sound they should play in arena and when it, when it happens in Phoenix is Dead man walking because (laughs) nobody has beaten this team when they lead going into the fourth. Mm -hmm. And I I know it's one of those, "Ah, whatever stats, but that's how clutch this team is. You're not stealing one in the fourth quarter against this team. You may get close. You may close that gap like Philly did, but then Chris Paul, Devin Booker, this starting lineup steps on that accelerator in the fourth and, and leaves you in the dust. And that's what happened. Again, and credit goes to Monty Williams on those second-half adjustments. They they looked at what happened in the first half. They went in the locker room, and they said, here's, here's the issues we're seeing right now. These are the things that should not be happening, uh, as in, in particular on the defensive end of the ball, and they cleaned up every single one of those in the second half with the exception of that mental lapse there in the fourth for a few minutes. Mm-hmm, absolutely. All right. We don't want to bury the lead too far down. Let's talk about the man of the hour, Devin Booker. He came out on one tonight. So he tied a season high 22 points in the first quarter. Uh, the season high or um, tied the season high for most points in a quarter in that first quarter with 22. He finished with 35 points tonight. He also had two rebounds and two assists, and he was uh, three of five from deep. Devin Booker just, I mean, the tear he has been on as of late has been so much fun to watch. And I also really appreciate that he was able to do, have the type of performances that he had tonight and then on Thursday night as well in Denver against two guys who have been in that MVP conversation pretty much all season long, right? Jokic and Embiid have been at the top of that list or within one, two, three of that list pretty much all season long. And finally, when it really gets down to the nitty gritty, right? We talked about recency bias. That's what matters the most here come voting time, which is right around the corner before these awards. He put up huge performances against both of them. And I think that begs the question once again that we've all been asking. So why isn't he in the conversation more than what he is currently. And are we going to start seeing a little bit of a change? Like we have seen a shift over the last 48 hours, more conversations about Devin um, as an, as a legit MVP candidate. And I think we're going to continue to see more of that conversation over the next 48 hours because of tonight's performance. He scored 84 points in the last two games, Mm -hmm. 84 points. It, it needs to push him into the discussion. And talking heads love sexy stats. They got it. They got a highlight tonight or this afternoon 
that is one that they can show on loop where, you know, he gets that uh, end one in the mid range and it winds up on his back in the Devin Booker pose, which nobody can deny that that's the Devin Booker pose. Yeah. When, when he falls on the ground, has that head up. If, if when he gets a signature shoe, that should be the damn logo on it. It's just the silhouette of Devin Booker laying on his back with his head up, basically taunting whoever had just fouled him. That's the kind of highlight that you can put out there and you go, this, this is the kind of thing this guy does. He's hunting in the mid range. He's getting these end ones. He's getting foul calls on that play where he, where he gets the defender on his backside and gets the foul. Like that's, that's something that they can latch on to and, and showcase. They can talk about the gaudy points the last few games. He will be part of the discussion because now all of a sudden he's prime time ready for these mm-hmm. networks because it leads to interesting topics. You know, it creates controversy. That's what ESPN and FS1, that's what they want. That's why everything's a debate show and everything's a hot take. And, you know, that's this now gives the, the opportunity for them to use that as a hot take. Like, mm-hmm. and, oh, I changed my mind. Devin Booker's come on the scene and what he's done in the last two games, you know, it'll be it'll be some backhanded compliment as to why now he's part of the MVP discussion when, oh, he's just doing what he's done all year. Right? That's that's the thing. Yeah. Brian in the chat said, I'm assuming this was a post-game interview with Chris Paul, said when they asked Chris Paul about Devin for MVP, Chris just said, quote, watch the games. And I'm I'm on I'm on board. Like we've got a handful of games left here at the back half or just the stretch run of the season, really. Just watch these what seven games that are remaining. Just watch all seven of them. And, and then, then you can formulate an opinion based on that. Also, go back and watch this afternoon's game and Thursday's game, too. Start there. A solid 10, right? Or nine. But let's start there and then continue to watch for the remainder of the season and then let us know what you think. Look, everybody loves binge watching, right? Exactly. So all these national guys should binge all the games that have happened, right? The mm-hmm. 74 before, uh, before the next one. Binge watch that and you'll learn why Devin Booker always should have been part of the conversation and you just missed the boat. We've been here a while. It's nice to have you finally make it. Uh, let's have the dis- the conversation and the discussion that should have been had for months now. Right. Like we've been trying to give you we've been trying to throw the life raft out to you. Right. For a really long time now. Just just grab onto it. Let us reel you into safety. Let us reel you into this comfortable area where we all get to hang out night in and night out. You're welcome. Like you're welcome to join us. Look, the bandwagon's big. We'll buy the extra size bus. We'll get two or three <laughs> behind it. If you all want to join in, we're welcoming. We don't bite. We're al- we'd love to have you here for the stretch run and the playoffs. It's okay. You can admit you were wrong. We accept flaws and we forgive. We're here to build back up. So come on and join us. It's time to join and and understand, uh, you know, that the good book on Sunday and every other day of the week (laughs) is what you want to be watching. Yes. Amundsen in the chat said that pose, the one you were talking about from Devin, uh, what Brian calls the bubble pose should be a statue outside of the footprint center. I say let's petition to make it the new NBA logo. I'm going to go that far. Lin- Lindsay going going big time. I'll take you know what if you win if they win this year, put that statue out there and then put one of Chris Paul and uh, and Monty Williams near there as well. And then the yeah, bench, just give them all a tro- give them all a trophy, some flowers, a statue. I don't care. They deserve it all right now. That's why it's been so fun is because this team just knows what they're doing. Okay, I think I, I think we should share something here, Lindsay. Yes, and then remind me I have a question after that. Let's right, share. I'll it. remind you. Oh, look at that. New new merch in the PHNX locker right now. The MVP one shirt. Go get it. You know you want to wear this. You know you want to point to this. We're chanting it in the arena already. You might as well rep it day in, day out. Go out there and get it. We'll put the link in the in the chat as well. These are hot off the presses. 
And, you know, I already put one in my cart. I'm buying one. Yeah, I buy our shirts. And I'm, I'm excited to see each and every one of you out there repping this. Uh, Devin deserves, the, deserves it. If the national mm-hmm. media, the national people aren't going to give attention, we should. We should do it, and we should do it proud. And I'll be wearing this one throughout the playoffs on the shows and when we're out there on location because Devin deserves all the support Phoenix can give him. Screw the national media. We'll make it a conversation topic here and anywhere we go. We'll rock in that. Yeah, he's he's our MVP. So regardless of what happens at the end of this regular season with that voting, we all know deep down in our hearts, Devin Booker not only deserves it, but he's our MVP here in Phoenix. So those shirts are pretty awesome. Be sure to check them out again. That's uh, phnxlocker.com. Or if you become a gophnx.com member, you can also grab that shirt uh, for free, depending on which package you choose as a membership. So you can get basically the best of both worlds, access to Gerald Borgay's sweet, sweet content and all of his articles, as well as articles of any other team in the Valley that you may be um, a fan of as well. That's gophnx.com to become a member today and you can grab that sweet shirt for free. You had a question, Lindsay. I rudely yeah. interrupted you because I was so excited to show everybody that shirt, the MVP one uh, shirt. What was your question? I'm really glad that you reminded me because I had already forgotten. So <laughs> this is this is we're off to a great start. If I'm not trying to get too far ahead of myself, but I just want to know what your thoughts are on this. If the Suns go all the way this year, they win the chip. Do you do something special to memorialize, memorialize this team as a whole? Do you throw all of them in the ring of honor? Do they get not just a banner? Cause I get that, but that's like normal, but because this would be the first one, do you do something for the team as a whole, every single character on it? Lindsay ask me in the third week of June and I will <laughs> give you an answer, but I know the basketball gods. Well, Oh, I know them well. And I shall not smite the basketball gods by asking this question and tempting fate. I'll have a great <laughs> answer for you uh, in June. But right now, I am not comfortable answering that question, having lived in Phoenix for as long as I have. I when, mean, I, I get that. I get that. Be honest with me. When Chris Paul slipped and fell on his wrists there late, later in the game, I... Uh, I couldn't have been the only one that went, oh, shit, like, oh, crap, here we go. Like, I'm not doing anything to piss off the basketball gods. Not a damn thing. We can talk about we can talk about that weeks and months down down the line. And I, I'll have I'll have artwork written for you. I'll do whatever uh, drawn for you. I'll have plans. I'll tell you exactly where you can put whatever I'm thinking, uh, but not until that's locked down. Just not happening. Fine, I guess. I guess we shouldn't have that conversation just yet. I'm just I'm just curious because I feel like the answer is yes, but we won't go too in depth with that. <laughs> Lindsay, stop it. Okay. Stop okay, it. I don't want anybody going back and looking at the show and going, this was the moment. <laughs> this is what fault. did it. She did it. <laughs> Burn the beanie. We don't Gosh. need that kind of heat, Lindsay. I mean, listen, we're not the only ones. We're not the only ones who are talking about this. Everyone, I feel like it might be in the privacy of their own homes with their loved ones, but everyone's talking about it to the, some extent. The we will move gods on. gods can hear us. Don't ever, so, don't even think, don't think. Dear basketball gods. No. Thank you for everything you have given to us thus far. We appreciate it and are forever grateful for you. Here are all the flowers, basketball guys. Here are all of your All flowers. the flowers. <laughs> Every last one. Yes, Brian. Oh and, uh, Brian in the chat says, we don't talk about Bruno, quote, dash Espo. Yeah, I know that song real well. And we don't talk about uh, the championship, the parades, or the rings until they happen here in Phoenix. They're worse than Bruno, all right? We, <laughs> we don't, and we no, 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 no talk about that until we all get All right, all right, fine. We'll move on. Let's go ahead and name our draft king, king of the game. Espo, you picked our king of the game tonight, so you do the honors. <laughs> oh, Mr. Scott Foster. He, uh, you know, in, in honor of the Oscars, he uh, badly wanted to get some screen time. Today and oh, did he do it? Forty fouls, forty-three free throws, and he got himself. I, I think I calculated about fifteen minutes of screen time tonight. So, congratulations, Scott Foster. You got your fifteen minutes, but we got the W. So, 
hoy hoy to you, sir. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, I, I just I felt like every every time I looked up from taking my notes or tweeting, I, I saw Scott Foster leaning in and going, yeah, that'll be a uh, non-contact uh, foul. The ball go over there like he was on camera way too much, was making uh, his usual crappy uh, calls. And, uh, you know, it, crown placement on Scott Foster is never good, but Shane did what he could to make that man not look like a monster. So. Yeah. Shout out to you, Shane. You did a really good job on that crown placement. Made us all feel like maybe maybe he could be one of us, but he, we all know better than that. We all know he's better not, than that. He's a lizard person. We know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. All right. We're going to take a quick break because I'm going to tell all the college b- basketball fans out there to join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win. New customers can bet just $5 on any, any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It is that simple. If they win, you win. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on college hoops with same-game parlays. So as we know, you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout, and the more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code PHNX, bet $5 on any college hoops team to win, and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's promo code PHNX this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. That's 21 and older only, Arizona only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only. Minimum $5 minimum deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. All right, Espo. Um, I do want to give, uh, I know that you did this off the top of the show, but I want to give Monty Williams a couple more flowers tonight. Uh, just because can I say one thing, Lindsay? I think it's hilarious that you read the DraftKings read right after we talked about Scott Foster. (laughs) Oh, the timing. Look at that. Anyways, continue. (laughs) Sorry. I had to I didn't even manage. I didn't even think that one through, to be honest with you. So also shout out Landry Shaman because my pick, my pick from pregame hit tonight. Landry Shamit came through. I had uh, the over on one and a half threes, and he had three of them tonight. Did so. Shane tell you to take that, or was that a Lindsey Smith? Spot? No, that was a legitimate Lindsey Smith pick. This is the first oh. time I think I've ever picked a winner on this show. Oh, I, I don't know how to pick bets. I, I let Shane do it, and then you do it, and you show us all up. I see how it is. Well, because that's the first time I've ever picked one on my own that so. won. I've won a couple that Shane has told me to take, but none that I've chosen on my own just I'm pretty yet. sure Saul hit, too, so let's give Saul his flowers. Did Saul's hit? Well. I think Congrats, so. Congrats, Saul. Good job. Right. What was his bet? I don't remember. It was over 14 and a half for Chris Paul, points-wise. Oh, well, yeah, then his hit, too, because he finished with 19 points tonight. So I, I went I bust, so that's that's what happened with me, but that's all right. Yeah, that's okay, Espo. You can't win them all. I feel you. Um, and then Brian in the chat said, can I ask for a single flower for Jay keeping his cool after a BS foul on Embiid? He sat down, meditated midcourt. <laughs> yes. Jay Crowder gets a flower too. He hit a big bucket late in the game too. That pretty much was the nail in the coffin for this team. So will you accept this rose? (laughs) Yes, yes, he will. will. (laughs) All right. So yeah, I wanted to give a few flowers to Monty. Now this is a full team effort, of course. um, But the way that Monty got his team kind of the same thing, like, like they found their inner Zen They came back out after the halftime break and they made adjustments and they made them really well in order to get the W tonight. I know that this was making the team angry the way that the 76ers came out and started this game. The 76ers really wanted to get the W tonight. They fought pretty hard against the Suns team in order to try and get that W. But Monty found a way and this team found a way like they have all season to just really center themselves and continue to focus on what they were doing instead of focusing on what the 76ers were doing. And we've given Monty a lot of credit for this over the season, but tonight especially, I feel like I want to give him a little bit more credit um, as well because we're, we've talked a lot about the MVP thing. It's also in the back of our minds that coach of the year is, is up for debate right now, and Monty probably won't win that one this year, but he absolutely should. He better because – 
if not, that means uh, our, our boy there, DeAndre Ayton, is going to have to go live on Mars, I think is what he said. After <laughs> la- after yesterday's practice, or, uh, that he, uh, if he didn't win, he was going to Mars. So, uh, crap, that sucks. He just just starts playing to his, uh, to his peak level, and then he's going to be in Mars, because I agree with you. I don't think Monty's going to win, even though he deserves it. And, look, this team has the right mindset right there's a lot Mm -hmm. of talented teams there's a lot of great basketball teams that we've seen but there are very few that combined combine how great they are on the court with how great they are mentally this Mm -hmm. team is mentally poised all the time not too high not too low somebody gets injured somebody's out with covid whatever the case may be they keep the same perspective and they keep playing within themselves and, and they adjust so well when, when things happen within a game, because we all know the NBA is a game of runs, you know, a team may go up big, you know, that it's going to, that gap's going to close at some point, right? We saw it both for the Suns having trailed by 15 in that second quarter, and then the Suns being up 11 and the six in the fourth and the Sixers closing that gap. But what you see the Suns do is they never seem to waver in those moments. They mm-hmm. understand that this is just part of the game and we're better both mentally and physically to go out there and take care of business. And then they do. They just go out and they execute. They play that offense to per- perfection. There was that play where Chris Paul hit DeAndre Ayton in the post late in the game and where a lot of guys would make that, just try to make that shot or post up. He saw and made the extra pass to Jake Crowder in the corner to hit that wide open three and basically end it, right? That's how this team is mentally. They know that extra pass can make the difference. The good shot sometimes isn't as good as the great shot you can find your teammate for. And they keep playing like that even if things get chaotic. That's what's so good about this Suns team. They do it on both ends of the court, and you're right. It's a mentality, and that 100% speaks to what Monty Williams does as a coach and how he prepares these guys game in and game out. Absolutely. And the fact that they're all bought in, too, it's just this season has been so much fun to watch. And I am just so thankful that we all get to be here to enjoy this and that our time in the sun has finally come. <laughs> like, it really has. Like, the t- it's it's just so incredible how quickly this team turned things around. And the best part of it for me is that, one, Devin is here. And two, it's it's homegrown, right? Like, they didn't have to trade. I mean, we traded for Chris Paul, who is a superstar, of course. But we didn't have to sell the farm for somebody to come in and that person be the only reason why this team has turned things around. Chris Paul has had a huge impact on this team, and he's been really huge in the growth and development of the younger guys on this team. All credit where credit is due to Chris Paul, but they've all done it collectively as a whole. You know what I mean? Chris Paul has sacrificed for this team since Mm -hmm. coming here as well. And just to see Devin continue to grow and thrive and finally be on a winning team is so much fun. To see DeAndre and continue to grow, Mikhail the rest of every single one of them. It's been so much fun. It's really enjoyable the way that the Suns have been able to do this. Well, and I think there's some revisionist history too. I'm not referring to you. I I know you know this, but when you look at the national conversation with, oh, CP3 came here and everything changed, right? Well, CP3 doesn't come here without Booker. And he's talked about that. He wanted to come to Phoenix because of Devin Booker, uh, the relationship they had built, what he had seen from the guys. So that's one. But two, and and I was one of the people in this camp, admittedly, his contract was viewed as an albatross, one that might not even be able to be moved. Uh, you know, and and he came in as as a depreciating asset people went he was really good in okc but we saw what happened in houston is he really the same guy i you know and and he's come in and put all that to rest as well but i think people forget that there was his last year in houston there was all sorts of questions about him people viewed that contract and said this is ridiculously large for a guy on the back half of his career and he's come in uh, and yes, he sacrificed some, but he's also proven doubters wrong with what he's been able to do 
too. But without Devin Booker, Chris Paul never wants to come here. Mm-hmm. He saw what they could do and that next level they could go to and that they were on the precipice of because that ain't no bubble run. So we got to keep that in mind too. Without what Monty Williams was able to get those guys and what Devin Booker was able to get those guys to believe in in Orlando in that bubble, we may not be sitting here without that. And all Mm -hmm. that praise goes to Book and Monty for being able to do that and take what was a laughing stock in the NBA and pull it out of, uh, you know, of, of the, you know, the ditch that they had been driven into and, uh, and pull it up. I, I'm very impressed with what both of those guys have done to change the mentality of this franchise. And as Chris in the chat says, that all started before Chris Paul was here in Right. So, I mean, like I said, it's you give credit where credit is due on both sides, but they're both equally um, just as important as the, the next one. You can't really say which one is more important because none of it happens without the other one, basically. Yeah, it's the chicken so. and the egg thing. I mean, it's right. like, okay, great. Uh, but both, <laughs> both are a factor in it. It's not one that you can really separate and understand because both guys have won without the other one year mm-hmm. two when they're out injured or sick. So there's no real answer to it. There isn't. So Gerald tweeted out something really cool. Um, the Suns, who have won 81% of their games, could go two and five the rest of the way and still set the single season franchise record for wins. Just incredible. And then uh, superfan underscore K on Twitter responded to him, said, I can assure you they ain't going two and five. <laughs> and uh, Matt Peterson, who we talked about in the pregame show, said, the worst seven game stretch for Phoenix this season was four and three. So Which, keep that in mind. Four and three is the worst seven game stretch, right? Mm-hmm. They have never lost four games in a seven game stretch. What's the playoffs? A bunch of seven game series. Start doing the math there. You'll understand uh, what I'm getting at. It's going to be very tough to beat this Phoenix Suns team in a seven game series, whoever you are. That's a really good. Uh, that's a really good way to look at that as well. I my math wasn't mathing in that in that <laughs> way, to be honest with you. But that's incredible when you think about it in that regard. I mean, of course, different teams each time, but we've seen throughout the season how this team adjusts um, months later to a team that they maybe lost to early on. Like we've seen it a handful of times, pretty much. Well, we know they've beaten every team in the association this season. And so, therefore, any team that they've lost to, they've come back and they've beaten them. Or they beat them the first time around and lost to them a second time around. And who knows what the reasoning for that is. We just would have to look at each game individually. But I think this team is so smart and so savvy and put together, like their their togetherness, right? That in a seven-game series, I have zero doubt they would be able to adjust and figure it out in order to win it. I have zero doubt. Same here. And and you have to remember, too, the spacing of games in the playoffs, too, right? Where you're going to have, in in all likelihood, multiple days for Monty to sit there and make adjustments, work with the guys. They can practice. These are things that aren't happening in the year. I'd imagine there may be another level they can get to with that additional time and with that ability to think through things a little bit more. Uh, So today was a statement, right? Again, I said it off the top, but they did not need this game. The Sixers did. They found a way to dig deep after going down big in the second quarter and still get the win, right? I love that they were capable of doing that uh, when they didn't need it. That speaks volumes to me, and it should scare a lot of people going into the playoffs. Absolutely. All right, Espo, it's time to take your shot. Presented by Arizona Department of Health Services. COVID-19 vaccines are free for everyone five and older. Those 12 and older are also now eligible for a booster. Visit azhealth.gov for a location near you. Oh, and we know Devin Booker took a heck of a lot of shots in this game and made a heck of a lot of shots. And one in particular is my shot of the game. When you look at this, this is the Devin Booker and one play where he gets Danny green on his backside. Uh, and then he, Danny green comes around him and hacks him. Let's watch it one more time here as Booker at the top of the key drives and gets a Bismack uh, pick backs on Danny green and then gets fouled. And he winds up in that Booker bubble pose where he's on his back 
head up. That end one was a big, uh, basically nail in the coffin turning point in this game. And I love when book gets in that way. Right. I, I joked on Twitter. That was his mid range N one masterclass. Mm -hmm. That is perfection on how to draw that foul, how to hit that shot. Oh, and how to hold the pose at the end. So Devin Booker took his shot and took it quite well this evening. And uh, you can put that uh, another, another one of those Booker bubble pose pictures in the file because uh, those are so, so pretty. One more time, COVID-19 vaccines are free for everyone five and older. Those 12 and older are also now eligible for a booster. Visit azhealth.gov for a location near you. Metal Mike in the comments said Booker was so lethal tonight. I mean, it's just, he's so, he's so much fun to watch. Like he is just so enjoyable. And you know, it's so funny because I believe it was our friend uh, Zinn Varlock on Twitter. He posted some comments from... 76ers Reddit, right? Early on in the game. And a good majority of them were like, God, Devin is so annoying. I hate watching Devin Booker. He's always complaining. Um, just really mad at Devin for all the different things, right? And for us, I'm like, I think Devin is really enjoyable to watch. And then me specifically, uh, I know we've talked about this multiple times. Devin constantly complains at the refs. I personally have no problem with it. I've never had a problem with it to the point where like, I feel like it is anything to really like complain about. So I know we talk about it with LeBron James and a whole bunch of guys, but I kind of feel like it's just a part of basketball. And when you're at that superstar level, you're gonna have conversations with the refs. You're gonna complain about calls that you're getting, calls you're not getting, calls your teammates are getting or not getting and so on and so forth. The only time I will say I have an issue with it is if it starts to affect you getting back down the court on defense. And tonight, I feel like that was one of the things that was actually kind of big for the Suns. There were multiple times where the Suns had fast break opportunities and were able to capitalize on it because you had James Harden or Joel Embiid still talking to a referee at the under, other end of the court about a call they felt like they should have gotten. So unless Devin gets to that point, I really don't care, to be honest with you. Look. Every opposing fan complains that, oh, that team's guy complains to the refs too much and makes faces. And we used to do that crap with Tim Duncan here in Phoenix when he'd do the arms up and like, who, me? And we'd all get pissed off. And then Steve Nash was doing the same shit on the other side of the court. And we didn't, we didn't say boo about it, right? I don't care how much they complain to the refs. In most cases, in particular, when Scott Foster's refereeing your game, you damn well should be complaining to the refs because of some awful calls. So Devin Booker is no different than any superstar in this league. And, you know, Philly fans, if they want to complain that much, should just go and watch Joel and Harden uh, and watch how they interact with the refs. It's the same crap. So I don't care. Everybody does it. And Book does it to perfection at times. I love how much he gets at the refs. I love his swagger, his attitude. I don't care if he complains. It's part of basketball. It always has been. It always will be until there's robot refs and there's no point in complaining to AI. I mean, even then, I'm sure they're still going to complain. Let's be honest. Um, but I just always think it's so funny when uh, – I don't know, just overall, I'm not picking sides here by any means. It's just something, an observation that I've noticed. I do think it's funny that as fans, we complain a lot about um, opposing teams and opposing players uh, when they complain about the officiating, but then it's it's a little less bad when it's our guy who's complaining about officiating. And I just find that to be so funny because it's typically only the top guys in the league that are complaining to that level. I feel like once you reach a certain threshold, it's almost like you get the green light to complain. Look, look, let's be honest. If, if refs or, or if the game was called based on how a player reacted to a foul being called and they'd overturn it, if a player made a face, there'd never be a foul called in the NBA. When, I mean, very rarely do you ever see a guy go, <laughs> yeah, I, I actually got him. No, usually it's, Huh? Me? I didn't touch him. And no then you way. watch it and it's like a total <laughs> hack job. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, you didn't touch him. Sure. Like, oh it, it's gosh. just part of the game. It's fine. Although the refs did screw Devin. He blocked James Harden. And I will 
I will uh, I will argue with anybody that wants to say otherwise. He blocked James Harden. I just wish Monty had used his uh, his challenge on it to get Devin that block. So Monica brings up a good point that I feel like I want to kind of talk about a little bit more around the subject. She said, the thing is the refs are annoyed by him, which results in no superstar calls for him. And he also fouls out a lot. So Sam Cooper on Twitter uh, had quote tweeted um, something to do with fouls that Gerald had sent out earlier today. And uh, so Gerald had said 13 first quarter points for Devin Booker, and he's chirping in the direction of the Sixers bench. To which Sam Cooper, quote, tweeted and said, humility gets you nowhere. We see the respect level. Embrace the chirp. And I know that that's, that tweet was more so towards the bench or the fans, but I can see it with the officials as well, right? Like Devin did spend a good amount of his career kind of taking the high road, not talking trash to the extent that he does now, not arguing with the officials to the extent that he does now, and he still doesn't get the respect. So I think at some point in time, Devin, it's probably going to switch if it hasn't already where he's like, I've tried both routes. Now I'm just going to do what the superstars do. And eventually, hopefully the respect will come. Hopefully the calls will come. And I think down the line, hopefully they will. But I mean, I don't know. You're not going to tell me that referees don't get annoyed with LeBron constantly complaining or with James Harden constantly complaining. I don't know. I just have a, I'm, I'm having a hard time wrapping my brain about around that one. I, the, the superstar star call thing isn't because he's complaining. I just, there's, Again, like the national perspective perception, he's not there yet. For some reason, the 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 group think hasn't gotten to the point where they recognize Devin Booker as a star, and that's fine. But he also, like that clip we showed, gets some favorable treatment, right? Mm-hmm. Because he backs he backs into Danny Green. He works his way. He created that foul, right? He he found a way to make the foul happen. He went to the free throw time line five times today. Not a lot, but then again, it was only three times fewer than James Harden, whose game is all predicated on trying to draw fouls in, in this league. Book doesn't go to the bucket a lot, right? It's a lot of mid-range. It's a lot of deep shots. That's part of why he doesn't get a lot of calls, because he's not a, a guy that's driving to the hoop a lot and forcing contact, which is fine. I don't have a problem with it until it's egregious. And I didn't feel like tonight it was egregious. He got his calls. uh, And it's not because he's complaining that he's not getting calls. There's just other factors to it. And you got to keep that in mind. Yeah. I I don't know. I just kind of feel like it's, I don't, I don't fully buy into that's the only reason it could potentially play a factor, but I'm, I'm not sure that I'm fully bought into it. But regardless of what I think, hopefully things turn around and Devin starts getting more superstar calls. But right now we're going to be uh, we're going to bring Gerald Borgay into the conversation from the Footprint Center. Gerald, thanks for joining us. How you feeling after today's W? Feeling pretty good. I, I feel like this was a really good win and a win that they probably could have let slip away. You know, when you consider they've already got to 60 wins, they've got the one seed, they're playing the, the number one team in the East right now. Uh, they have, you know, two superstars in Joel Embiid and James Harden. And Philly outplayed them in the first half, especially that first quarter. But just that wear down effect, that was something that Monty and all the players talked about in post game. They have that confidence to know even when they go down by double digits early, which we've seen them do in the last three games now, they just have confidence that they can get things together, regroup at halftime and, and come out on top by just doing what they do. And we saw it again today. So I, I can't remember watching a team and being this impressed by their execution aside from, you know, the dynasty warriors of, of the last few years when they had Kevin Durant. This team just executes and they will just beat you on both ends of the floor. Are, are you, do you have some girth uh, theme I'm, music I'm, out there? I'm, I'm down feeling down this. What this is. <laughs> <laughs> Gerald, uh, you bring it up. I mean, for a team that a meaningless game in, in the large scope of things, down 15 in the second, I mean, did Monty talk at all about what that halftime adjustment was like, what he said to these guys? Because obviously the mindset shifted a little bit in the third and the fourth, and they took care of it. 
Yeah, he said it wasn't so much an adjustment, especially after that first quarter when they gave up 39 points. He said that just giving up that number is something that kind of riled the guys up. They were like, we're, you know, we're better than this. So it wasn't anything from an execution or a schematic standpoint. Their execution was just better, um, and they tightened some things up. And, you know, you look at the score, and it's incredible. They gave up 39 in the first quarter, gave up 40 points in the entire second half after that. So they really tightened up the defense. You look at the job that Mikhail Bridges did on James Harden, and, you know, Joel Embiid hit, went off. He had 37 points, but they made him work a lot harder. Bismack Biombo came in and gave him great energy and just made things more difficult when he was on the court. So I, I don't think it was anything that they necessarily changed or tweaked. They just did it better than they did in that first quarter. So who all did you get to talk to player-wise tonight, Gerald, and, and what did they share with you? Yeah, so we got a, uh, a trio tonight. We got Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and Jay Crowder all at once. And, um, you know, it was funny because they were – when you gather that many guys at the podium, it's hard to keep them all focused when one is answering a question and the other two are, like, <laughs> just goofing off. But, um, you know, they, they talked a little bit about how Mikhail Bridges should be in the defensive player of the year running with the job that he did on Harden. Uh, I think Harden was 2 for 10 or 2 for 11 overall in this game. So he did a great job defensively. Uh, I asked Jay about Monty for Coach of the Year because I've been asking all the guys that question, um, and he used the term no-brainer. He said he smiled and he said, you know where I stand on that question. Uh, they felt like he was robbed last year, and you know it, it's one of those things. We talked to Monty the other day in practice about this. He was saying for him last year it was enough. He was in his office when he got the announcement that he hadn't won Coach of the Year, and all the guys were gathered outside, and he could hear how pissed off and angry they were when that announcement dropped that he didn't win. So he said for him that was enough. Uh, we asked the guys if that would be enough this year, and they said, no, absolutely not. Like, he needs to win it. It should be a no-brainer. It shouldn't be a conversation considering how far ahead they are in the standings. We'll see what happens when it's time to vote, but this team definitely still feels like they're not getting their flowers. Like, you know, Devin should be in the MVP conversation. Mikhail should be the defensive player of the year, and Monty should be coach of the year. Do you think this afternoon was enough of a performance defensively by Mikhail against one of the better uh, guards in the game and James Harden to make that make his case even stronger and louder than he had over the last uh, you know 78 you know 74 games I think it helps I don't think it's like the statement game that you know people might hope it would have been just because you know you look at Harden's numbers since he came to Philly they're not fantastic and like people have said unfortunately like for this conversation it typically skews towards rim protecting big men and so you need like games where you have you know like seven steals or you know a highlight block that blows up twitter or something like that it's stupid that that's part of the conversation but for defensive player of the year there is no like metric that you can look to that measures defensive impact there are a bunch of them but no kind of catch-all and so it's hard to measure the impact of a guy like Mikael Bridges without actually doing the homework and unfortunately a lot of NBA voters and people talking about this don't do their homework they don't see the way that Mikael Bridges slides all over the floor and guards positions one through four takes the best defensive assignment on the wing or on the perimeter on a night-to-night basis I feel like this is one that it's going to be an interesting conversation because Rudy Gobert is still, you know, metric wise way up there. Draymond Green has been great, but no, do we get a, do we get a Shane appearance for Shane was there? dancing. I had to, I had to let the people see Shane. Yes, well, you have no idea how much well, I've been thinking about doing that for like the last two minutes. <laughs> He's been Shane, dancing the entire time. Shane I had to do it. I apologize. You Gary. got here, Gerald, because you've got some great tunes in the background. And it's been oh, so hard. One? Okay. It's been so hard not to just bop along to the music. So we apologize for interrupting you. Please continue. No, it's fine. I, I was just saying Rudy Gobert, you know, he's still up there. Draymond Green missed too much time now, but Giannis is still a defensive beast. So, like, metric-wise, I'm, I'm going to dive into the numbers when I write about this, but I don't think Mikhail Bridges is as high up at the top compared to some of those rim-protecting bigs, but if you just, just by the eye test, like, Mikhail Bridges should be the front-runner for this award. That feels like that's the problem here with the Suns, though. The eye test isn't as popular as it once was. And this team is very much an eye test kind of team. They're not overly dominant in 
in any one particular way, but when you put it all together and you watch it, you can't deny what Mikhail Bridges means. You can't deny what Devin Booker means, but oh, this counting stat or this advanced metric doesn't showcase it as well. You would think that one number that's so much better than everybody else's, 61 would be the the thing that mattered uh, more, but it is it doesn't right now, and that's the tough thing to describe. Yeah, it's hard because it's nothing against the advanced metrics. Like I use them all the time and they are a good thing to measure things by. And in basketball analysis, that's what people don't get is you need both. You know, you need the eye test to back up what the numbers say. You need the numbers to back up what you're seeing on the court. And unfortunately, because the Suns are so good and so balanced and have so much depth and they have Chris Paul out there, you know, and, and Devin Booker doesn't get a ton of rebounds. Some of those advanced metrics just don't skew in his favor. Um, and they kind of underrate the impact that these guys have, how good they are. You know, we, we've seen, even tonight, we saw what happened the first 12 minutes, Suns were down by two, Devin Booker goes out, and suddenly the Sixers go on a 12-0 run without him. Like, we've seen this happen a couple of times. It's just the numbers are never going to back up that Booker is so valuable to this team because the Suns bench is so good, and their bench does what their starting unit does to other teams. So. It's tough. I, I think if this team, if you transported this team to like the 2000s with all the stats the same, like Devin Booker would be the MVP front runner, and you know we wouldn't even be having this conversation. But game has changed; it has evolved for the better. Um, it's just one of those things where we're going to see if, if Book continues on this torrid pace that he's on, and the Suns win like 66 to 68 games, you know he will have a very, very, very strong case. He already has a case, but. He, he has a chance to make it a very strong one. Look, I think you bring up an interesting point, too, because it is very much the marriage of the eye test and the advanced metrics, right? I don't mm-hmm. think James Jones gets enough credit for being able to marry those two as well as he has. He obviously understands the new approach to the game and the analytics. They take that seriously, but he also understands the importance of chemistry and what it takes to win a championship that way as well. And, and put together what seems like one of the better balances we've seen when it comes when it comes to those two things with this team. I, I think that's underrated. It's incredible. I've, I've never seen a team, like I said, here in Phoenix that executes as well on both ends as these Suns do. But I've also never seen a team navigate that line so well between, you know, being most of these guys are 25, 26 year old kids having fun and knowing how to lock in. Like this group just has so much fun together. Their chemistry extends beyond the court. You see it in everything from their interviews together to their pregame shenanigans in the tunnel to just the way they interact with each other at practice. This is a group that genuinely enjoys being around each other even when they're not playing basketball. So that, you can't put a price on that and just how much it it factors into their chemistry, to their togetherness, to their ability to hold each other accountable. Like that's a huge thing when you're able, uh, I think it was DA saying it the other day, you know, sometimes it'd be easy to get upset when somebody's screaming at you or when someone's telling you you're doing this wrong, but because they view each other as brothers, when you're telling somebody that, you know that it's coming from a place of respect. It's not, you're not disrespecting your brother. It's you're trying to lift them up and it's all in the service of getting W's. So this group is just incredible in that way. And James Jones has found some really good individuals that come together to be this incredible collective that we see on a night to night basis. Gerald, how much fun are you having right now? <laughs> I I have never had this much fun covering the beat, and last year was an absolute <laughs> blast. Like, this team is just, it's a joy to cover as a journalist. It's a joy to cover as just a human being who enjoys being around positive people who like winning. Like, it's, I, I couldn't have asked for more from this group this season, and my expectations were already high heading into the year. Did Gerald, you see, go ahead, Esco. Just to say, Gerald, do you like, New Mexico green chili or the Suns team more? We got to put it to the test. Uh, You know, if we could all just have a meal of green chili with the team, that'd probably be a perfect marriage in my mind, but you're not going to give me an hour. That is the most Gerald answer ever, and I appreciate it, sir. So we just dropped a link in our chat to the new merch that we just dropped. Gerald, I know you saw it, the MVP Mm -hmm. one shirt. Mm -hmm. What do you think about it? I love it. I, I think it's uh, we're we're giving the fan base a little bit of uh, 
a rallying cry, something that they can wear for these last couple of weeks, especially the MVP shirt. I love the Valley font and the Valley background. It's very cool. Um, yeah, so make sure you go out and check out those shirts. Buy one, wear it to the Suns games because uh, this is M- Devin Booker's MVP push. It starts right now, mm-hmm. and uh, we're running out of time. So get on it. Fun yeah. fact. Go ahead. Ger- Gerald's wearing it under his collared shirt right now. I am not. But... <laughs> I'm Superman. <laughs> you, you guys can you just guys... imagine it, though, because he's too professional to ever let you see it. So. You guys get me one and I'll bust it out. Last game, don't worry. <laughs> Only the chat really wanted you to dance tonight. And I was going to ask you, but then I was like, well, Gerald's not a puppet. He shouldn't have to dance. <laughs> but if you did want to, the, the chat's down for it. So if you ever the get chat the, wants me to dance. If you no, ever on, get the no, 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 no. to bust out a ticket. TikTok Let's, dance from the Footprint Center, Gerald. Just know they're going to yeah. really love it. Let's well, save then, it mm-hmm. for Wednesday. Yes. And if we hit a certain amount of donations, <laughs> oh boy. Gerald will TikTok dance if he agrees to it's it. It's for How a good that? cause, Gerald. It's oh, for no. a good cause. I'm being guilt tripped into dancing in public. <laughs> I'll do it with you, Gerald. You and I can do it together. Okay. That's that's All fair. Right. I feel like you might can convince Saul to do it too. Maybe. All four of us will do it. Yeah, well, that's taking it now. <laughs> Three out of four. Oh, you're asking bad, too right? much. <laughs> oh, now we've crossed the line. Now it's past the line. <laughs> we asked Lindsay to do something that's a bridge too far. I'm yeah, like, that's just a little bit far. too far, Gerald. Come on. Reel it back in. Reel it back in. <laughs> but uh, Espo brought it up. So let's tell all the people, quick reminder, this upcoming Wednesday when the Suns take on the Warriors, we are hosting a watch party, and we're going to be live at the Ainsworth in downtown Phoenix. We want you guys to all come join us, come hang out with us. We will all be there, me, Espo, Gerald, Saul, and a handful of other people from our crew at the PHNX uh, sports uh, organization. So come on down, join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, And just a quick reminder, it also has a charitable aspect to it. So we're going to be collecting donations both at the Ainsworth and virtually here on all of our live shows on YouTube for Ryan House, which is a really cool organization here in Phoenix that provides hospice and respite respite care to children. They're 100% donation-based, so they need all of our support to continue giving support to families who need it within our community. So uh, put it in your calendar now. Plan to come hang out with us. That's this Wednesday at the Ainsworth in downtown Phoenix. And if you bring a girth photo, I guarantee you will to sign it. Also, we'll give away a copy of Lindsay's book. She'll Maybe she'll autograph that for you, too. So come on out. We're going to have a grand old time. You can heckle me in person because I know you love to do it in the chat. So why the hell not go and do it at the Ainsworth? And let's have some fun on Wednesday night because we know we're all going to watch the game, but we know Golden State don't got the horses to run with uh, with these big boys right now. So we'll make our own fun as well. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. All right, gentlemen, before we say goodbye, anything else you'd like to touch on from tonight's yeah, I game? Wanna, Gerald touched on it briefly. I want to bring it up. When you look at Mikhail Bridges, a game like tonight should be enough. I know it's not sexy. It's not the highlight reel that you'd love him to have eight steals in one of these final seven games to put the cherry on top. But if you've got a guy on the opposing team that's one of the best in terms of being a guard or, or a smaller forward, Mikhail Bridges will lock him down. There's no doubt about it. He will be a first-team all-defensive player this year, but he should be voted the best guy because without him, this defense does not play at the efficiency that they do here in Phoenix. Between him and DeAndre Ayton, you can stop almost anybody on any given night, Mikhail Bridges deserves his damn flowers, and hopefully people will give it to him. All right, the last thing I have is Bryce in the comments said, we need to name Gerald's segment of the broadcast. So I'm going to put this out there. What You guys start thinking about it now, come up with some ideas, and then send us your thoughts, and maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll slap a name whenever Gerald joins us from either the Footprint Center or the road. Well, even second. better, if you own a company and you want to sponsor Gerald's segment, we'll name it whatever the hell you want. So. There you go. That too. <laughs> Shout out Monroe's Hot Chicken. hey <laughs>
<laughs> we got to make that happen for you, Gerald. That's literally your dream in life, and I feel like we have to make it happen. <laughs> One day. <God>. Spicy girth. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, All right. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining on the show today. Thank you, everyone for uh, joining us on YouTube and within the chat. And thank you for listening wherever you listen to your podcast. As a reminder, don't forget to subscribe and uh, leave us a five-star review. It helps us out a lot. We always appreciate your support. Um, just as a, a heads up for this upcoming week, we're going to take Monday off. So tomorrow we're going to be off. Tuesday, we'll have a live show for you. Wednesday, live at the Ainsworth. Thursday, we'll have a live show for you. And Friday, uh, a live show um, covering the game as well. So keep an eye out for all of that. You can follow me at Lindsay Smith AZ on Twitter. You can follow Gerald at Gerald Borgay. And of course, you can follow Espo. Espo, send us home. Just remember, it don't matter if there's nothing on the line for this Phoenix Suns team. They're still going to kick your ass. Ahoy, hoy.